Good afternoon and happy holidays. I'm Dennis Vittorian and this is the 25th hour helping you remember everything that happened beyond the 24-7 news cycle. Now in this week's episode we have a special guest, City and State's Deputy City Hall reporter Annie McDonough. Annie writes about tech and policy for City and State and she also authors the City and State First Read Tech Newsletter. She recently authored a series of articles looking at the last minute legislation passed by the City Council in its last meeting of the year and covered Councilwoman Adrian Adams' declaration of victory in the Speaker race, which we covered today in our conversation. Now, here's the discussion. Annie McDonough, thank you so much for joining the 25th Hour News. Uh, I want to thank you so much for spending a little bit of your time with us this evening. Thanks for having me, Dennis. I think I'm going to just launch straight into talking with you about what the City Council is all about. Right now, the nation is focused on Joe Manchin. <laughs> they, they're, they're focused on Congress. They're focused on Biden. But right here in the city, we just recently had local elections that really changed the people in charge. So, you know, for let's say someone wakes up tomorrow and just wants to get a, get themselves acquainted with the city council, how would you go about um, characterizing the council's function and place in our city? What do they do? Sure. Yeah, I'd say that anyone who wants to learn more about the city council um, should go ahead and do so. It's obviously um, doesn't get as much coverage as, as Congress, um, but decides a lot of, of uh, what happens here in New York City. Um, I mean, essentially, the city council is to the mayor's office, what the state legislature is to the governor, what Congress is to the president. It's the city's um, legislative body. So I think primarily um, introduces bills, um, writes laws, passes bills, negotiates the budget with the mayor, um, serves in many ways as sort of an oversight function uh, mm -hmm. for the mayor and uh, city agencies. Um, it's 51 uh, members elected from across the city. Mm -hmm. um, it approves land use proposals. Um, it sort of runs the gamut, really. But I think if you're hearing about the city council, if you're talking about the city council, more likely than not, you're talking about um, a bill they're advancing or legislation that just passed um, and, and sort of how they work in concert with and sometimes um, at odds with the mayor's office. Mm. And what about in terms of accessibility? I mean, nobody can just go to DC the next day and try to get a meeting with their congressperson. Uh, what about in terms of accessibility with the city council? Yeah, I mean, the uh, the city council, I believe every member has uh, an, at least one office in their district uh, and one uh, in uh, lower Manhattan where city hall is. Obviously, you know, a big part of city council's members' job is, is to represent their constituents, answer hyper-local issues, bring those issues to the larger body uh, when it's called for. You know, I will say that there is a very nice spectator gallery in City mm. Hall if you ever do want to go down there and, and watch city council hearings, uh, meetings, bills being passed. Always a lot going on in City Hall Park, protests, mm. press conferences. There's a lot to see, but, um, but I think it is... Yeah, I'd say it's a more accessible uh, body than than Congress for sure. But I think that that might depend on your on your council member and, and who you're dealing with. And speaking of which, I mean, politics is also about personalities. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, attention being paid to the incoming class of new council members, people who are returning. Um, you know, people like Gail Brewer, who was just the um, uh, Manhattan Borough president, and she just came back to her city council seat. Um, and we have uh, an entirely new set of faces entering this upcoming class. So what stands out to you in this uh, incoming class of council members? 
I mean, I think the fact that it is so many new members, it's, mm. I believe, 35 new members, um, a really um, out of 51, that's a really large cohort of, of fresh faces, thanks to Term Limits. A lot of people um, are headed out at the end of this year. But among that 35, you know, as you mentioned, Gail Brewer is one of several who has already served in the council. So there are mm-hmm. technically new faces this year. They weren't serving this previous session, but Darlene Neely, Charles Barron, these people who've served in the council before, they, they know their way around um, city government, around city hall. And you've also got people in, in the new class um, who have served you know, in pretty important roles in, in other parts of city government, even if not in the city council. You've got mm-hmm. Julie Menon on the Upper East Side, who recently led the city's census effort. So you've definitely got a good amount of government experience in there. A lot of young faces too, a lot of new faces, people who, you know, came to the council, not necessarily through the traditional political circles, moving up the ranks and, in, in, mm. you know, as political staffers or anything like that. You've got people who are coming to this from different fields, from uh, nursing, healthcare, former mm. teachers. Um, mm. So new perspectives there for sure. You've also got a little over a dozen returning members. So I think some of the big names you'll hear out of that class is, is include some of the people who just ran for city council speaker, Justin Brannon, Carlina Rivera, mm-hmm. Keith mm-hmm. Powers. Um, those are people who, who ultimately did not secure the votes needed mm-hmm. for speaker and they're not in the race anymore. But those mm-hmm. are, you know, the stalwarts, they're going to be probably big names, the sort of ones who can stick around and show people the ropes, Diana Ayala, people who might have, you know, some higher profile committee assignments. So it's it's a it's a very new group, I would say, but not without experience. And we'll talk more about the uh, the situation with the speaker race uh, shortly, <laughs> because um, we're going to get into the juicier bits of the city council in a second. Um, but if you can characterize this incoming class with any sort of theme, uh, with the majority of the council. Is there such a theme? For example, uh, is this council expected to be more progressive than the last? Um, you know, we're not really hearing calls about defunding the police anymore. There's a slightly bigger Republican group of council members. Um, so, I mean, is there a theme that we're seeing with this most recent election? I mean, I think what, what we should mention first off is the fact that it is going to be the first majority female council, which mm-hmm. is the fact that a lot of people are paying attention to. Mm-hmm. Um, but apart from that, um, I mean, yeah, talking about um, a pull to the left, there certainly are new progressive members. Maybe it's a growing contingent uh, compared to the previous council. We've got Tiffany Caban, mm-hmm. um, Alex Avilas, who are DSA members. But I wouldn't say it's it's the overwhelming majority of the council who falls much farther to the left than than the outgoing council or that the outgoing council wasn't without members who were quite far left as well. And as you mentioned, there is a slightly growing Republican contingent. We've got five Republican members in this coming year. And I think it's important to remember it's not just them. You know, there is a, a common sense caucus uh, forming that includes moderate and more conservative Democrats who I think we can expect to see vote um, along with Republicans on a lot of issues. So sort of counterintuitive, I'd say, but I think this is going to be a pretty politically diverse council. Mm. I think take it with a grain of salt. You know, it's New York City. It's a very blue council. Right. uh, This, you know, Republican faction isn't going to have that much power. But I mean, you know, really not that much power. I should not emphasize that. Relatively, uh, right. Uh But, you know, maybe emboldened by like a a moderate Mayor Adams, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think political diversity, certainly racial diversity, making strides um, in electing um, uh, South Asian members, more Asian American members, first Muslim member, um, and again, a majority female council. So 
Got it. It's a little cliche, I guess, but diversity is the theme I'm thinking of. Got it. So how can you compare that with this outgoing um, uh, class of, of council members? Um, they just had their last stated meeting of the year. And I think that this council can be held up as prior council can be held up as trying to achieve some progressive achievements. Uh, is there anything noteworthy to you that was achieved by this most recent council? Maybe uh, that can be juxtaposed for a uh, juxtaposed next to the agenda of the incoming council. I mean, I'd say that the agenda of the incoming council, if there's a common uh, agenda, it's COVID recovery, mm -hmm. but it really depends on who you ask. There are plenty of people who, who would love to see more progressive um, and ambitious policies put forward in the new council and are happy with, you know, the U.S. sort of uh, progressive policies passed by this outgoing council. Um, you know, municipal voting for immigrants just mm -hmm. this early this month passed. Um, that's a huge deal. And that's something that uh, there are many members of the new council who are excited to see implemented successfully and, and sort of have mm -hmm. oversight of that. But, you know, we were just talking about the, the sort of common sense caucus, the Republican members, they're going to hope that their slightly going, growing ranks and, and a more moderate mayor is, is going to temper sort of the more progressive uh, left-leaning uh, mm -hmm. policies I don't know if we are going to see as big a defund uh, the NYPD fight uh, in the budget season, in the upcoming budget seasons with with Mayor Adams. Mm. You know, there's there's a lot that still has to be uh, worked out, I think. And it'll be interesting to see these different factions, mm -hmm. uh, how they work together with the new mayor. And it's interesting to see how the council works together with the mayor. Um, you know, the attention paid on the mayor in terms of uh, being the executive of the city places a lot of power in the hands of uh, City Hall. But, you know, it, there's a big difference also between Mayor de Blasio and incoming Mayor Eric Adams. And have you seen any indication of how this incoming council is going to work together with the incoming mayor? I think that, I mean, we mentioned the speaker race briefly. I think that gives us an interesting preview of um, this being a council who is maybe a bit more tight knit um, mm. that's something I heard while reporting the speaker race that this incoming class, um, is quite close and, and organizes together and, and knows each other quite well. Um, and what we saw in the speaker race, um, was Eric Adams, the incoming mayor was pushing sort of behind the scenes, uh, for Francisco Moya to be the next city council speaker. The, um, majority of council members new and returning did not want Moya. Mm. Traditionally, the mayor has been able to put his thumb on the scale in the speaker race and, and really push for and and achieve his his favored candidate. Mm. Um, and what happened this year, just last week, is the majority of members stood against that um, mm. and said, we're not going to take the mayor's pick. And then he sort of had to back down. Whether we see the council sort of stand up to the mayor on small issues as well as large ones like that, I don't know. Time will tell. Um, but I think that, you know, it's maybe a formidable council that's not going to be easily wedged, driven between them uh, by, by the mayor. Um, this week as well, the incoming mayor um, came out uh, in favor of solitary confinement. Mm -hmm. And we saw a, a large reaction from new and returning council members against that and uh, a letter to, to Eric Adams asking him to reverse a, a pro-solitary confinement um, position that he had uh, sort of announced. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Eric was, um, I think, at a press conference today, not that happy about the council coming out yeah. against his earlier statements. Right. Um, that's probably going to be an early fight that we'll see um, as far as criminal justice issues. Yeah, I think that, you know, there's there's 
Certainly um, going to be splits. I would say, though, you know, we uh, have an upcoming feature in uh, City and State, uh, meet the new council members. We've asked mm-hmm. all the new members to sort of tell us about themselves, tell us a lot of things, answer a survey. One of the things we asked was their priorities and how, you know, they want to work with the mayor. And plenty of people are eager and excited to work with incoming mayor on COVID recovery, mm-hmm. on getting more nutritious meals in schools. Mm-hmm. So it's not as if there's no, you know, desire for collaboration. I think there's there's definitely a desire to give the, the new mayor a shot. And it's interesting to see how many of them are also going to say that they're going to work together with the mayor when their interests align and push back against the mayor when the interests of their constituents are not being met. And sure. uh, it's it's a line I feel like everybody's reading out of a book as if it's really rehearsed. I, I, I hear that all the time. Um, and recently, there was an event where I heard uh, the incoming Brooklyn Borough President, Antonio Reynoso, come in got asked that exact same question. How are you going to work together with Eric Adams? And he said the same thing that I just said, where our interests align, we're going to partner together and vice versa. Um, What sort of tools though, do the, does the council have in order to push back against the mayor? Because mayor Adams seems like a confident guy. He seems (laughs) like he knows what he's going to do, especially in the area of criminal justice. And as you mentioned, when it came to solitary confinement, he didn't take too kindly to, uh, seeing some kind of pushback. Um, it's also interesting to see how um, he compromised in the area of the speaker race. Uh, he first was okay with uh, putting Moya up. And I want to also ask you later about why he even decided to go with Francisco Moya. But then he took a step back and was okay with Adrian Adams going uh, going ahead and taking that speaker mantle. So the first question is, what tool uh, or tools does the council hold in order to push back against the mayor? I mean, I think that it's designed to be, um, you know, co-equal branches, right? So mm-hmm. so tools are sort of built in. Certainly the, the council has um, power in negotiating the budget, but I think that one of the things we saw recently was um, the power of a veto-proof majority. When you are in a heavily blue, um, you know, vastly majority democratic council, mm-hmm. there are going to be some issues where you can create and 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 collect a two-thirds majority of, mm-hmm. of supporters on a piece of legislation, and the mayor will not be able to veto it. So mm-hmm. um, one issue I think I mentioned earlier was municipal voting for immigrants. Mm-hmm. Um, that is actually an issue that Eric Adams, as uh, mayor-elect, supports um, and, and vocally supported. But the current mayor, Mayor Bill de Blasio, um, was not in favor of that. He um, he pushed a bit against it, um, said it would create constitutional issues, and ultimately the bill had a veto-proof majority. Um, it wasn't going to be possible for for Blasio to veto it, okay. um, and um, you know he eventually said he wouldn't veto it anyway. But mm-hmm. that's the kind of thing where the council, if you get a strong enough coalition behind behind any sort of proposal or action, they can override the mayor. Mm-hmm. And for our listeners who aren't aware, in Congress, we have the House and Senate. In the state legislature, we have the state Senate and the Assembly. And the council is a unicameral legislature, correct? There's correct. only 51 members. There's no upper, lower type of chamber. It's just the one body, right? That's correct. And so now let's touch upon the speaker's race. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you know, and this is opening up a can of worms. We could probably be speaking about this for another, I don't know, hours, right? But Definitely. I I think one of the most important questions to start before we start touching upon Moya versus Adams, which she's not related to incoming mayor, Eric Adams. uh, What is the speaker like? What is the speaker's function? What do they do in the city council? 
The speaker is um, is the leader of the city council. They're elected by by a vote, a simple majority vote of all 51 members. Each mm -hmm. candidate can vote for themselves. Mm -hmm. um, committee assignments, uh, bills being brought to a vote, discretionary funding, budget season. These are all things that fall under the speaker's purview. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's been such a contentious race and and really months, months long race. Um to sort of garner enough support among the new and returning members to mm -hmm. to win this uh, simple majority vote that's going to happen in early January. Mm. And is it a secret vote? Is it done in public? It's a vote among the council members. I actually don't know if it's if it's if we get a tally publicly or not. Mm. Um, but I will say that historically, since we've had a speaker role, by the time we get to early January in the election, it's almost always decided who the speaker is. Okay. Um, there's one or two examples where that's not the case. We got a surprise um, uh, reaction, but because it's a race where you see a lot of outside influence, technically, mm -hmm. it's supposed to be a simple majority vote of the mm -hmm. council members. Mm -hmm. But in reality, um, the mayor, uh, major labor leaders, county party um, leaders, Queens mm -hmm. and Bronx Democratic leaders have a ton of influence um, mm -hmm. to sort of direct their their votes. Um, of members who are loyal to them. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, with Adrian Adams, who we can talk more about in a bit, she's probably going to have a, a unanimous or near unanimous uh, vote in her favor. Oh, okay. Um, so we always know who it's going to to be almost always uh, by the time we actually get to the vote. Okay. And now, I mean, before uh, Eric Adams spoke up about the race, I mean, he was hudging a bit. He even promised not to get involved at some point before getting involved at some point. Mm -hmm. it, what was the race looking like? It, it seemed like there was a hodgepodge of different uh, candidates from people who were returning, uh, like Justin Brannon. He squeaked out his race, uh, a victory in his race, and then he put his hat in the ring. Um, and then there was, uh, I think even Gil Brewer said that she wanted to she run did. for speaker as well. Um, so how did, how did that scene look like before Eric Adams, um, got himself involved despite promising not to? <laughs> yeah. And, and you always have to, um, question that promise not get involved from the mayor. Right. And I don't think anyone was surprised to see, mm. you know, some behind the scenes, uh, string pulling, but you're right. He didn't, he stayed out of it, out of it for a while. Um, it was a bit chaotic, I think, mm -hmm. before he got involved, and it was chaotic after as well. But there were seven or eight candidates, um, seven officially. Farrell Lewis was also in there a little mm -hmm. bit as a candidate. But I think that at the outset, you had people like Justin Brannon, Keith Powers, Carlina Rivera, um, maybe Diana Ayala as, as front runners. Those were people who got started on this race really early on. They were helping um, candidates for office. Um, get elected in the primaries. They were already, you know, before an, a candidate had won office, were trying to to get their votes, assuming they would become incoming members. They were doing a lot of work on the ground. They were sort of, I think, across the board, well respected for that, for for really putting in the work to sort of earn this this role. You had people enter later, like Adrian Adams, like Francisco Moya, who also were in Adrian Adams' case, well liked, respected. A little mm -hmm. bit more under the radar as a council member. I would say that both Adrian Adams and Moya were considered towards the back of the pack. Mm -hmm. Moya definitely had ties to labor and um, that helped him out. And he was someone who, as a little bit of a more moderate member, um, was thought, you know, possible to get Eric Adams support. And of course, we saw he did do that. Mm -hmm. um, so that helped him out. But he wasn't out in front, I would say, by mm -hmm. like, the beginning of the fall. So, so then how did it end up that Eric Adams uh, allegedly favored 
Francisco Moya in the in, in the beginning before Adrian Adams eventually was um, the compromise choice. Yeah. So for a while, um, Eric wasn't getting involved. He mm-hmm. um, was staying out of it, except for I think there was a sort of behind the scenes message of anyone but Carlina. Only mm. Rivera is a little bit further left, um, and the message I think was that she would not be acceptable to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so he stayed out of it until um, a couple weeks ago. Um, surrogates for Eric Eric Adams, advisors, members of the transition committee started making calls for Moya. Moya is someone who, again, has some ties to labor. He's more moderate. I suppose Eric thought that he was someone who would go along with his agenda. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they had a bit of a relationship. I believe Francisco endorsed uh, Eric in the, in the primary. Mm-hmm. Um, and and when those calls started being made to support Moya, there was a bit of a, a backlash in the council. Moya is not super popular among the outgoing or returning members. He wasn't doing the work sort of on the ground to, to um, win the support of incoming members. He was doing that a little bit later, but but not as early on in the race. Um, and I think that there was some resentment of, of being told that that support was going to coalesce around a candidate who a lot of people didn't really want. And that's when we started to see alternatives to Moya uh, pushed yeah. by this uh, group of, of council members. And the other dynamic in this race is, is really the uh, pressure to elect a woman, a female speaker, mm. and ideally a, a uh, woman of color or and or um, a Latino person. So mm. um, some people were, because of that pressure building and I think interest across the board in seeing that we saw um, some other candidates sort of fall by the wayside, mm. um, and and there was a push for Diana Ayala before Adrian Adams okay. for Diana Ayala to be sort of the alternative to Moya. Um, the message, however, ultimately from Eric Adams was that she would not be acceptable either. And I say the message mm. from Eric Adams publicly, he stayed out of the race. He had you know no hands in this. But but that was sort of the idea from from his uh, side of things was that mm. Diana wasn't going to work as a compromised candidate either. Mm. And I think that's how we got Adrienne Adams. Um, she is a woman who is well liked and respected in the council. Had a high pro- high profile uh, job as chair of the committee on public safety. Mm. Um, supporter of Eric Adams went to the same high school. No relation, but they did. Uh, yeah, there's uh, some go trivia. To the same high school. There's um, some trivia. <laughs> yeah. So. She saw support coalesce behind her. The other mm-hmm. candidates dropped out. Mm-hmm. Um, it became a race officially behind uh, between Moya and, and Adrian Adams. Labor coalesced behind her. Um, almost all of the major labor unions did. Um, the Queens and Bronx party leaders coalesced behind her. Okay. And last week, um, she released a list of 33 council members uh, publicly supporting her. And that was something wow. they're almost... Um, before that, almost no public endorsements, except for earlier in the week, there were a number of Latino members supporting uh, Francisco Moya publicly. Um, and then when the other speaker candidates dropped out, they announced they were supporting uh, Adrian mm-hmm. Adams. So really, the public announcements started last week. But okay. but, she, but the announcement of, of her 33 supporters in the council, well above the majority needed to win, I think sealed things up. And, and as you said, Eric kind of compromised and and got in right in time saying, you know, I, uh, I would, I would accept Adrian as well as Moya, um, offered his congratulations. Mm-hmm. And, and by Friday afternoon, uh, Moya had officially conceded the race. So there's one candidate for speaker now, 
nothing really standing in her way to uh, to getting those votes. It was definitely a chaotic process at some point. Even Moya and Adams together uh, announced that they were victorious, and everybody was scratching their heads, wondering how did this happen. Right, um, I left that out. Yeah, and so I mean that was definitely some that was a weird moment. Um, you know, and uh, Council Member Moya, if you're listening to this. Uh, by all means, you know, you have an open invitation to the show to talk about that moment. So we are almost out of time with you, Annie. And, uh, you know, I think it's really important to also ask what kind of uh, speaker is uh, Adrian Adams going to be? And and she represents a part of Brooklyn, right? Southeast Queens. Oh, Southeast Queens. Okay. All right. Well, for a second there, it was going to be a total coal- a coalition of Brooklynites leading the city and, you know, uh, that would have been interesting as well. So what kind of Adrian, uh, what kind of speaker would Adrian Adams be? I think that's a great question. I think we're all trying to figure that out, to mm. be totally honest. Um, she is someone who has flown a little bit under the radar, despite having a very high profile assignment of um, public safety uh, committee chair. Um, she is She's aligned with Eric Adams on some key public safety issues. So I think that... Um, you know, that's not exactly what more progressive members of the council wanted to see, but mm. she was more acceptable to them than Francisco Moya was. Um, it doesn't seem that, you know, when you talk to new members, a lot of them say they don't, or any members, they don't want a vindictive speaker. Mm. I don't get the sense that she's going to be a vindictive speaker or that there is fear about that. Mm. Um, I think that she's well-liked and respected. Um, you know, I think that the, the question that speaker candidates are asked throughout the race is whether they're going to be a check on uh, the mayoral administration or a partner, how they're going to mm. balance the sort of need to be both a check and a partner. Mm. Everyone says they're going to strike the perfect balance and that's it. Mm. I think that's what we're looking for is, is how she's going to strike that balance, whether she's going to go against the mayor on, on some key issues, maybe public safety. Um, that seems less likely, though. Um, and, and when she's going to sort of go along with the administration, she's going to, I think the assumption is as a more moderate member, not going to, to go against the mayor as much as someone like Carlina or Diana would have done. But, but a lot of this is, is dependent on, um, how all these new dynamics will shake out. I mean, a new mayor, a new city council speaker, and a largely new city council, a lot of this, we've just got to wait and see, I think. Um, Mm -hmm. but it'll certainly certainly be interesting to watch. Got it. So uh, listeners and viewers out there, make sure that you're watching how the Adams interact with each other. It'll be like an Adams family. Okay. I'm almost exactly. done. I promise. Um, so, and, you know, and as you said, she was a leader on the uh, committee for public safety. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see how their uh, policy uh, priorities either align or disband when it comes to Eric Adams' uh, desire to bring back a uh, clandestine uh, group of police officers. Um, he wants to bring back a version of stop and frisk. Um, so uh, that's something to definitely keep an eye out for. Um, and Annie, in our final question here on the 25th hour, I wanted to ask you, is there something that you are particularly keeping an eye on for this upcoming year? Um, in the city council front? You know, I wouldn't say this is the issue that's getting the most attention. Um, I'm certainly uh, curious about those those questions you just mentioned, how uh, the two Adamses are going to align on public safety. There are a lot of leftover policies from the de Blasio administration that are going to need to be carried out by, by the new council and the new administration. Mm. Um, but I'm pretty curious to see 
what this new female majority is going to do, mm. whether there are um, common interests among, um, again, three Republican women who are elected this year, um, and the many Democratic women who are making up the majority, things like maternal health, maternal mortality, mm. um, abortion access, a number of, of, of quote unquote, women's issues, um, mm. just to use that term. Um, I'm really curious to see what this female majority wants to achieve and and to what degree we're going to see any sort of uh, bipartisan uh, collaboration there. Uh, Andy McDonough, City and State reporter, thank you so much for joining the 25th Hour News. Everybody listening to this podcast, viewing this podcast, uh, go ahead and read her. Uh, she's a brilliant reporter. And I thank you again for your time. Thanks so much, Dennis. And that's it for this interview on the 25th Hour, helping you stay on top of the 24-7 news cycle. Don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcast, share us with your friends, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. You can email your tips and suggestions at the 25th Hour News at gmail.com and become a patron today for as long as $2 a month to support the show at patreon.com slash the 25th Hour News. Thanks for listening, happy holidays, and we'll see you next year.